Robin, welcome back on the podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Hey, Ben. It's good to sit down over a cup of coffee on a kind of a cold day. And I thought today we could talk a little bit about, in the church calendar right now, we're, we're getting close to the season of Advent. And I learned from you, I think either last, this time last year, or maybe a couple years ago, we, I guess it was when we first started this podcast, probably, and we got to this point in the calendar, the church calendar, and you were informing me that uh, this is kind of considered the end of the year because Advent is considered the beginning of the church year, as opposed to January 1st. Right. And so with this being um, the end of the year, oftentimes we in church talk about um, the, uh, you know, revelations and, and end times that Jesus was telling his disciples about before the whole Christmas Advent story and leading into um leading into the, the crucifixion and, and his his end, the end of his life. So it was it was end times for him in terms of, it was kind of the end of his journey with his disciples, but then in the church year, we also use that to, as an end to talk about the story of Revelations and, and that whole bigger conversation. Am I, is that fairly accurate? I'm not, I don't know. Is it? Um, I, I, you know, I, I hadn't, I, See, last night, sorry, I'm, just, I'm sounding really confused because I had I had a very certain answer to that until last night, um, Lori, my wife, um, asked me, uh, I'd made some connection between the story, uh, stories that Jesus tells, the apocalyptic stories of the end time, and the fact that the context in which, in particularly the story that we're hearing this year, um, being from Luke, the context in which Jesus is telling the disciples about the end time is literally days before he's arrested. Mm-hmm. Right, and and I linked it to the idea that um, the thing about the end time stories is that they're not actually about the end; they're about hope, um, they're about new of the new beginning that is to come. Right, and so I kind of connected that to the fact that at the time the disciples wouldn't have seen that; mm-hmm. Be, uh, they would have just seen Jesus being carted off and then the crucifixion. But whoa, well, three days later, no different story. Right, mm-hmm. the the hope's real; they can touch it, kind of thing, and. Uh, um, now, as I think about it um, more, um, I'm not even prepared to say, because the church calendar ends before Advent, right? It begins with Advent, because it ends, this is why we're hearing these stories of the end times. Um, I think we're hearing stories, but we're, we're hearing scripture stories about the end times because it's uh, reminding us once again that Christmas is coming, not just Advent, mm-hmm. because we hear them in Advent too. And and I think it is about, a little bit more about, um, you know, when we celebrate Christmas, we don't just celebrate the Christmas in this moment. We celebrate the Christmas of the past and remember that Jesus promised to return, right? So there is yet to be another Christmas, right? Another kind of thing. Coming, arrival. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. So, so um, you know, beginnings and endings, right? Yeah. Endings and beginnings. Well, the, the and, and and that just makes it all really confusing. It does make it confusing, and and the, it's even more confusing when you when you choose to look at the Book of Revelation not as a literal, um, and some people take it very literally, but this idea of a second coming, you as you know, there's the whole wide range of, across Christianity of people who take that to mean that Jesus in his physical body is going to return on a particular day on a, 
on the calendar right. in the future at an unknown time. And he's going to look like Schwarzenegger from Terminator <laughs> movies and and look out people because, you know. He'll be back. He'll be back, yes. Um, and, well, you know, the, the, yeah. And the other thing about, particularly about Revelation, um, it, we're not so prone to doing this, I, I don't suppose, with the other. And because there's little apoc- there's apocalypses in throughout the Bible, right? The the idea of apocalyptic stories, by the way, isn't isn't uh, apocalypse doesn't mean destruction. Um, it means like revealing something, right? Hmm. Um, and and uh, there's something new, right? Is next, right? Um, and uh, but there, there's apocalyptic stories throughout the Bible. Um, when we focus on Revelation, people tend to ref- focus on um, how fantastical the uh, and and crazy the destruction is. Right? There's there's horsemen of the apocalypse. There's all this, and that makes for a great movie, um, and it makes for a great story. It makes for there was a, a TV show uh, just a little while ago that that um, used stories from Revelation and the horsemen thing. Um, and connected it to sleep, the legend of Sleepy Hollow, mm. right? And and <laughs> and and okay, that was that was clever, you know. In the same way that um, the Lucifer, the um, Neil Gaiman's, uh, I think I think it was Neil Gaiman, did the graphic novel about how Lucifer decided to take a holiday from hell, and to, and where does he go? Well, Los Angeles. Um, so um, it's very clever. That's very creative and everything, but no. Um, but the thing about Revelation is, again, and it was the thing about that TV show, it's every time it appears in a movie, every time it appears as a story, it's about the destruction that's to come. Because that's what gets focused on. And the point of the book of Revelation isn't destruction, it's hope. Yeah. The point is, and the same with, with Jesus telling the disciples about how the temple's going to be torn down and, and all this stuff's going to happen. You're going to get arrested. Then you guys are, not me. I'm, I'm, you know, you guys are. And, and people will persecute you for my name and all that kind of stuff. All that kind of bad stuff's going to happen. Um, and, it, you know, it's a sign of the end times. Why? Because good stuff's coming after that, right? It's in, and so we focus on the end part, but really it's about hope for a new beginning. Right. And then, see, I think the more you talk about that, um, it's really easy to focus on the big one. Right. But but there's little apocalypses happening all the time. So, right? in, we're in the middle of a pile of stuff. But throughout recent history, like um, for for decades now, people have been looking at increases in natural disasters, or they've been looking at uh, you know global conflicts, wars. Um, mm-hmm all the different atrocities and disasters that are happening around our planet. And some interpret those as, you know, this sure looks like the end is every day or near ish or, but let's, yeah. let's talk for a minute about and where I thought we could kind of uh, explore some things in this week's episode is to talk about, like I've had this question kind of mulling around in my head for a long time now around our place in the universe really, let alone just the planet, but humanity's role as, you know, we, we hold ourselves as children of God, that we're all the children of God, we're God's creation, we're created in God's image. God is perfect and all-knowing and, and um, God is love and, and he's created us. And yet, and so we, we think of ourselves as so separate and superior to all the rest of the animal kingdom. And yet for billions of years, Thousands of species on this planet have 
lived in perfect harmony with nature and with each okay. other. And, ben, I and then stop we you right came there. along. No, I got to stop you right there. I got to stop know, right there. You know there. where I'm going. I got to stop you right there. Um, so, uh, first of all, um, you need to clarify what you mean by we when you talk about we're children of God and all of that stuff that you said, because not everybody would agree with that, first sure. of all. Secondly, um, uh, as as we all know, um, the um, the the world itself is only 4,000 years old because like if you look at Genesis and you calculate the number of days since the days of creation, it's only 4,000 oh, and so? something. It's 4,000 and something anyway. Um, so it's, it depends on what you believe, right? And that's where like, that's where science and belief, you know, like for some reason there are people who think those two things don't go together and that they can dismiss science because of what they believe. Um, and then, of course, there's people who think that they can dismiss belief because they have science, right? And those two things, I think, actually do go together. And it's only when we actually put them together that we might understand our role better. Now, having said that, again, it depends on who you are and what you think. Of course. But right? Because generally is, speaking, even, even in Genesis, there are people who interpret uh, the, the phrase about God gave uh, human beings dominion, mm -hmm. right? Um, they interpret that as power over. Domination. Domination. Yeah. Dominion, domination, the words are related. Um, and then there's the people who interpret it as we are stewards. Yeah. And, and not stewards in the sense of, you know, church stewardship where give me your money is the usual thing that goes with that. Um, I mean, actual stewards. And, and the point of a steward historically is the person who takes care of and manages things that aren't theirs. Mm -hmm. a caretaker. Right? So, yeah, a caretaker. In other words, if we are stewards of the planet, we are the caretakers of it, not the owners of it. We, are, we, don't, have, we don't have power over it. We work with it to do, ensure that it continues. And almost every indigenous culture in the world ha um, there has a belief system that's in line with that as well, that, yes. that it doesn't belong to us. It's, and may, they might have 15 different gods that they thank for the harvest yes. and for this and for that and the yes. water. But they, it's, this, it's a parallel thinking that but thank this goodness we evolved we... out of that so that we can <laughs> use the planet however we damn well please um unfortunately is where we went it is and and that yeah. that thinking really um came around at the same time as the population of our species right. exploded all over the planet and so we went from you know it took two hundred thousand years for there to be for our population to reach the first 1 billion. And then just in the last two, 200 years, we've gone from 1 billion up to almost 8 billion. So yeah. we've had this extreme exponential uh, explosion of population right around the time that we started to shift our thinking away from, you know, this isn't ours, it yeah. doesn't belong How to us, we need to take it? care of it. And yeah, yeah and, and instead looking at it as, there's an endless supply of everything I want, and it's up to me to use it uh, as profitably as I possibly can. Right. So, um, right. So here's here's where we're at. Now what? It makes me really concerned because, I mean, I've got three kids. I yeah. hope that they have kids one day. I hope that my grandkids have children one day. And at some point... This all, in my mind, it, it's inevitable that it's all got to come crashing down at some point, and descendants of mine will be around when that happens, whether that's five generations from now or 
one or two or a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing though is, um, I think, uh, well, you know what? I'm, I'm not a scientist. I'm not really qualified to talk about science or, uh, and I'm not, um, I'm not, uh, I wouldn't say I'm really even qualified to talk about environmental issues, really. I'm not really up on them um, as much as I should be, probably. Uh, I, I think I'm probably up on them as much as I should be as a human being, um, but I don't, that's not a whole lot, to be honest. Um, but um, the, the thing is, we've kind of reached a point where uh, we can't go cold turkey, um, and uh, we need to figure out a way to get. Um, to a though we've reached we've we've kind of we've kind of uh, uh, mentally and philosophically and whatever in terms of belief and all that kind of thing I guess kind of reached a point where uh, kind of, we've kind of reached a point where we um, we know something needs to be done mm-hmm. um, it's become but, undeniable yeah but um, well. Although there are still those. There are the right? deniers. Yeah, absolutely. But we've kind of reached a point where we know we need to do something. The question is what? And and for lots of people, um, that means we need to change stuff dramatically. And for other people, it means we need to get there. And for other people, they don't care. They're just going to use it however they want to use it, right? Um, and then there are people who don't think there's a problem. Um, and uh, see, again, I'm not qualified to talk about the science of it or anything, but um, uh, like I've said before, um, I I just you cannot. There's there's literally no way conceivable way that you can convince me that the very presence of 7.7 billion people isn't going to change the environment, let alone what we do. Just our presence by our it's our very existence. Secondly, that 7.7 isn't equi- equitably equitably distributed around the planet. It's concentrated in certain areas and not in others, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that too is going to have an effect, regardless of what we do. Mm-hmm. Now shovel on top of that all the crappy stuff that we do, um, because our life has tended to focus on progress. Um, at the expense of the environment, right? Yeah. And uh, and now, so what do we do now? So um, the classic uh, scenario here is to, to argue about is um, oil and gas, right? Um, because uh, we need to do something about the environment. So oil and gas is bad, make it stop. Um, except we don't have anything to replace that with. And so, see, I kind of go... I, I'm willing to accept, uh, like, I, I gotta say, I'm, and, and just cause I'm, I'm coming to the point where I'm going to actually talk about how it is that we can't have a rational conversation because we're too busy yelling at each other. Um, so I'll just give people something to yell at me about. Um, <laughs> I am, I'm always bothered when I see things, signs that say, I love oil and gas because I don't love oil and gas. I think they're a necessary um, a way to get to a point where we don't need them. Yeah. The same way I think coal got us to oil and gas, the same way that um, sail got us to coal. Or whale oil. The, yeah, or whale <laughs> oil. The same way that, the, yeah, the same way that, uh, 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 I, I hate quoting Facebook posts, but somebody had an interesting post on Facebook a little while ago where they pointed out that the person who invented light worked, uh, the electric light bulb, um, uh, invented light, I guess that was God. Um, <laughs> the person who invented electric light 
worked by candlelight. The yeah. person who um, developed the the um, um, the gas run engine worked with coal. The, the and he person, got to work on know, a horse. Probably it, it got to work on a horse. That was it. That was it. <laughs> yeah. And and so we need in order to get to the next step, we need this step. We absolutely do. I'm not arguing that for a second. I'm also not going to argue with you that there are some oil companies that when they take stuff out of the ground, they they then do their best to repair the environment afterwards. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to argue with you about that. Y- y- you can't argue that we aren't still affecting the environment. Yeah, I would, don't think. In my mind, I think it's, it's, you said it really well, but it would be the parallel if you think back to, because we're, we're so stuck in our paradigm that we've got, it's a, we've got massive blind spots around it. But if you, it's, I think it's um, productive to use, um, the me- to use metaphor and to look at, uh, the previous era of before oil and gas, um, I mean, it was coal, like you said, but if you go way back to the example I used of, of whale oil as a source of light and, uh, and heat, they truly believed that there was a literally limitless supply of whale oil because there, there, the human population was low enough that to them it seemed like, oh, we could just hunt right. whales, of hunt course. as many whales yeah, as we want, and we'll never yeah. run out. They decimated the whale yeah. population. Right. They obliterated. They yeah. almost so drove... So ignorance did that, yeah. yeah ignorance so, drove whales to the brink of extinction. Some species maybe did go extinct. I'm not knowledgeable enough about it. But the, the, the point was that their paradigm, their thinking, was that it can never run out. So how is our thinking about oil and gas any different? Do... Do we truly? Oh yeah, think I think that... it is different. I think we do know it's going to run out. I I think that I I also think I also think though that um, there was a study I just saw this a little while ago. There was a study that suggested, um, and again, you know, studies suggest stuff. Sure, does it? Re- I, okay, we can argue about that too. Again, we're getting to the how we argue um, part of this, but um, that suggested that uh, they compare compared oil and gas companies to uh, cigarette manufacturers and tobacco companies and pointed out that in fact in the same way that tobacco companies knew that smoking was harmful to you and then marketed it like it wasn't oil companies knew oil and gas was harmful to the environment and marketed it like it wasn't and uh this is the other thing that's happened though is that we've evolved past i think i should be careful saying that i guess but i believe we've evolved past the point where we can we can um simply say oh we didn't know like mm-hmm. like with the you know when when there's when there's only a million people on the planet and you're using whale oil yeah we're not ever going to run out okay ignorance fine mm-hmm. but we've kind of reached a point where you know we're not ignorant to the fact that oil and gas is it's it's not a renewable resource it's it's going it's going to wear it, we're going to end and the use of it is wearing the planet as well right so we've kind of reached a point where we we at some point you got to concede i think that at some point in the future we're going to have to do something different the question is how to get there, right? Mm-hmm. Do you do it by going cold turkey? Do you do it by um, working our way there? And see, I think that's a little bit like you can. I think you can kind of compare that to, say, countries or even provinces um, who have focused on one industry, oil and gas, and nothing else. That they're going to reach a point where they have nothing. 
that they have to win. Because that's gone, yeah. and they've not done anything else, right? Um, even countries, even countries that focus one interest industry, even countries that are one industry countries, because they do, you know, farming or they produce, you know, this or they produce that um, as their export. Um, it, 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 you can't focus on one thing. Vulnerability. We, need, we need we need diversity of of things uh, as much as things as much as we need diversity of people. Um, but but see the the thing about all of this is, and this is the part where. Um, I uh, I think I wrote my blog this week. I'm tired of this. I'm so tired of this. Um, I'm I'm tired of uh, um, I, I'm tired of the same stuff over and over and over again. Th- that we're we're not we're not having conversations about. We're not having rational discussions about because we're too busy yelling at each other. Um, you, you we've reached a point where you don't attack the idea. You attack the person who's delivering it. Um, and you can attack them because of what they look like. You can attack them because of where they're from. You can attack them because of what their last name is, apparently. Um, you can attack them for a variety of personal reasons mm-hmm. in order to discredit their idea. And that isn't the way it works. No. Sorry. A great example of that recently is the, all the, the stuff around Greta Thunberg. Yeah. Okay. So all of the people who are, oh, she's a kid. What does she know? Um, you know, and then they, they, they start, people post stuff on Facebook about, you know, her personality. Um, oh, the hatred. And, and, which like, she looks like. violent even. hatred toward her, toward, right. to the point where people have, um, in, right here in Alberta, an artist uh, painted uh, a mural of Greta's right. face. And the very ne- and it was on a wall that was, up, uh, it's meant to be like a public art space so that artists can just paint over top right. of whatever's there anytime they want. Artists are not offended by other artists right, coming which and covering is what the it guy over. who did that said. Yeah. And yeah. so he put it up and he knew that it wouldn't be a permanent um, piece of it, but it was an incredible portrait of her. You could tell right away who it was. And the very next day someone came along and graffitied right over top of her face, defamatory statements, call, I don't, like calling her horrible things and saying, basically, this is oil country, get out. And attacking her personally, like you said, not just mm-hmm. like, hmm, I don't agree with some of your ideas, here's why, yeah. but you're a horrible human being for, for so, thinking yeah, that. So, so we've, uh, we've, of course, historically done that with, you know, politicians and, you know, um, people because of what they do. Um, now somebody's doing it to a kid. Um, so, uh, okay, um, and uh, but but of course their argument, like everyone's argument is these days, um, they have the right to their opinion and the freedom to express it. <coughs> and the thing about that is, um, a, uh, you do have your right to opinion. Hate is not an opinion; it's hate. Bigotry is not an opinion; it's bigotry. Um, it is what it is, and it's wrong. It is not an opinion. Um, I, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm just expressing my opinion on that, um, but it's not. It's 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 not an opinion. Um, secondly, um, okay, welcome to Canada, um, people. Um, in the U.S., you have freedom of speech enshrined in the Constitution. Yes, you do. But in Canada, what you have is freedom of expression, and also enshrined in. I know you want to say, but doesn't that include speech? Of course it does. But also enshrined in the Constitution is protection against hate speech. Mm-hmm. Right. There is actually there. It is actually in the Constitution in Canada that um, you do not have the you do not have the right to cross the line into hate. 
yeah, uh, it's hate illegal. speech, right? It's it's uh, you it, and see, okay, it's yes, one would say it's illegal. Absolutely, there's laws against it. But again, um, I'm also always mindful of the fact that we create laws in order to tell you what you can't do. The reason why we have a law that says you can't use hate speech, uh, speech that inspires hate, is because it's hate. <laughs> Sorry, it's hate. That's not an opinion. That's not about freedom of speech. It's hate. That's what it is. And, uh, and you know, yes... Yes, that's muddy, gray area uh, and everything because, of course, um, people don't always hear what you think you said. Everything's filtered through interpretation. Right? We've talked, and that, yeah, yeah, we've talked about that a fair yeah. bit. We, we talk How all, do you discern intention? Right. How do you discern... I mean, yeah. you so, can... Yeah, you can look so, at a costume, a Halloween costume that someone wore right. when they were a teenager twenty years ago, and are you going to lynch them for it now? Well, oh, oh, you did not <laughs> just say lynch them for it, did you? I did. No, dear. Okay. Why? Well, see, again, that was in the news recently because uh, I can't think of who it was who actually said it, but I think it was an American politician. I want to say it was Lindsey Graham or somebody like that. Like it was an American politician who said something about, that, uh, made some comment, I think it was about Trump, that people were trying to lynch him. And in the South, you don't say that. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Um, but you can see, uh, honestly, you can see both sides of that. You can see, you can see somebody, somebody without thinking, words came out of their mouth. But you can also see how somebody whose history um, has an association with that, that is not just hurtful, but like brutally hurtful. Um, you can see why they'd get upset about it. Yeah. Right, and so so again, like, uh, are we gonna like, uh, are we gonna actually even just saying saying it like this is probably touchy for some people. Are we gonna police that? Um, like like, where's the line on what you can and can't say? And and what I'd say is, here's the moment at which we might want to have a conversation about where God is in this story. Right. Um, what do you mean by that? What I would say is that um, what I would say is that um, what I would say is that we are, if we are created in the image of God, um, we are stewards of creation. We are lovers of creation. We are um, compassionate and meant to be, anyway compassionate. We're meant to show grace. We're meant to love. We're meant to, um, we're meant to live. And when we reach a point where even the conversations that we have are destructive, they're not life-giving in any way, we need to rethink how we're having those conversations. Mm -hmm. um, regardless of what you believe spiritually. And, and you know what? The, uh, again, um, just so I make sure I say something that m might get me in trouble with people. Um, uh, the thing is, um, if you feel really angry about something because you feel it is attacking you or attacking what you think, before you fight back, think about what it is that you think for a second. <laughs> And why you reacted so violently to someone saying something about it. Mm -hmm. 
um, I'm not suggesting that your position might be wrong or untenable or, or deserving of that criticism. What I'm suggesting is that it inspired that response in another person. So where, who's going to be the first person to break that cycle, mm -hmm. right? Of that, that back and forth cycle, right? Um, <coughs> excuse me. God, 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 I think is in the moments of compassion, in the moments of, of, um, in the moments where people actually listen to learn, not, not wait for their next opportunity to respond because mm -hmm. they're, they're not really listening. They're thinking about what they're going to say next. Right. Um, I think, and, and I think this is the thing, right? So, um, we, we could go through a whole rant. I, I definitely could probably for quite some length of time about things that I'm really tired of and that things are really things that I think are really wrong or bad or whatever in the world. Right. Um, the things that would be on the list of, uh, Jesus summary of the end times, um, right. Um, like war and violence and, you know, people get blown up. Um, uh, but also people fighting over things that are insignificant and then fighting over things that are significant, rather having conversations about the things that are significant. Right. That's how we would address that wouldn't it? Doesn't that make sense? Um, but, but, um, we could have a big long rant about that. Uh, and that won't help anything, right? No. Because somebody, somebody has to calmly break the cycle yeah. of back and forth yelling at each other. Right. And I'm, I, I think I, I would love to say, here's how you do that. But I think that's, uh, um, different in every situation. And one of the things that tells me that isn't just the diversity of people, it's that um, the the example of love that we live by, I live by anyway, um, uh, Jesus addressed everybody differently. I, I truly believe that. I think that we have stories where we go, uh, we read a story where it says, you know, Jesus healed this person and walked away. Um, I don't think what happened was Jesus smacking them on the head like, you know, a televangelist and be healed. The person falls over and they're good. I don't think that's how it worked. I think we've, we've, uh, haven't heard the whole story. I think part of it is Jesus having a conversation with somebody and simply saying, T tell me what's going on. So there's no manual. And listening. Yeah. There's, there may not be a manual or a three-step or a 12-step pro process right. and and not but, only listening but even if you're right like, i think you're right that he, jesus would have taken a personal approach to every relationship uh, because he was all about that authentic one-on-one -on -one connection with people um not about dogma or systems or processes he was about human connection right so he would have taken that human one-on-one uh, -on -one individualistic approach, right. but there's still, I think, something that's common to his approach to life and to other humans, and that is love, like you said. So, yes, it's going to look different in every application and in every situation where people are, are stuck or not getting along or, or arguing over something, but if, if both are coming, or even if one person just decides to, like you said, be the first person to approach it with love, to seek first to understand and to listen with love and to remember that that other person is a human being just like you. Right. Then that's at least an opening. So it, one of the things about some of these apocalypse stories that Jesus tells um, uh, or of what's going to happen kind of thing is to say uh, persevere, right? Have hope. 
and right. persevere, right. You, you'll get through it. And you, and, and uh, sorry, just as I'm saying that, I'm thinking, okay, that's starting to sound like, you know, um, some, one of those slogans like, God never gives you more than you can handle. That, that's that's bullshit. That's that's not right. Is what that is. Um, it's great. I feel free to say it all you want, but um, it's wrong um, because uh, I think I think God is with you whether you can handle it or not. Mm. It's not about God gives you only stuff that you can handle, as if the pressure's on you to handle it. Um, sometimes we can't. So does that mean God deserted us? No, it means God's there even mm-hmm. in our failures and our successes. God's there in endings and beginnings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, if we brought that whole, um, if we brought that whole love thing to beginnings and endings, um, that that might well change how how you have conversations about it. If we brought love to conversations about the environment. Um, maybe that might change how we have conversations about the environment. Um, if we brought love to conversations even about, oh, uh, God forbid, politics, um, that might actually change perhaps how we engage in that. I keep, I keep saying um, this is a dream of mine, um, which I suspect is a nightmare for some people, um, but it's a dream of mine that one day, and I, I'll just frame this in Canadian context, um, okay. but I think it applies everywhere. One day, whichever government's in power, whether it's the Liberals or the Conservatives or the NDP or the Green Party or whoever, you know, there's always parties. Um, one day, whoever is the actually majority government, the Prime Minister is going to get up and go, you know, the opposition party had a really good idea about something. Let's do it. <laughs> and not only do it, but give them credit for it. Right. Right. And so it's not a question of we st- we'll just wait a couple of years until people forget you had that idea. Then we'll use it right. and say it's ours. Right. Right. right? Um, but actually give them credit for it. Right. And celebrate um, it. Yeah. You, you know, we just we just uh, entered the era of minority government um, again because uh, it happens lots in Canada. What seems to not often occur to people uh, in uh, I, I like I can't say for every every country, but there are certainly places in the world that have a concept of coalition versus minority, right? And coalition is different than minority. Minority means you're the government, another party basically supports you enough to keep you in power, mm-hmm. but you're the government. Coalition means you invite others to be part of your government, right? Yeah. So uh, I I I think we ought to try that. <laughs> sometime um because it's it's a way of acknowledging um that it's not about opposites it's about working together yeah right um and because everybody has good ideas uh and we've we've kind of reached that same point that um americans have and um people in lots of other countries have where there's a far left and there's a far right and nobody's in the middle Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or no, nobody on the far left and the far right want to work together. Why not? Yeah, aren't we supposed to be working to make sure that everyone is happy uh, or at least, sorry, everyone is taken care of. They might not be happy about it, but to ensure that everyone is taken care of rather than simply enforcing our ideas on everybody. But the system doesn't reward those who prioritize outcomes and long-term right. outcomes, especially. Yeah. The system what rewards those who prioritize their own 
uh, short-term gain. What if, Ma- yeah. In other words, making sure you get reelected. Yeah. Or what if the priorities the weren't are... uh, weren't getting reelected? Um, the priorities weren't um, um, necessarily just dollars and cents. What if the priorities uh, or or ideologies? Um, what if the priorities were compassion? Um, grace, taking care of people who can't take care of themselves. Um, what if the priorities were things like ensuring that people uh, uh, felt uh, uh, felt safe and respected, rather than simply protected? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, like what if what if we what if we framed our priorities a, a little bit differently and a little bit more like, say, we were created in the image of God, or that we were a family that we were a family, that we're all children of one God. Um, however you understand that God, even if you only understand that God in the context of um, of uh, part of the, the web of or the fabric of life. That we all um, come from. We're all connected to that. Yeah. Uh, why aren't we doing... Why, why, why is it so important to protect our little corner of the fabric while the other end is fraying? Yeah. And why is it so... Um, why do people struggle so much to draw the connection between what's good for us as human beings has to be intrinsically tied to what's good for the planet? It's like people want to think of them as two separate things, not acknowledging that we literally come from the earth. Every cell in your body was once, you know, a carrot that someone ate 400 years ago, or it was part of a cloud, or it was part of a stream. See. You yeah. know what I mean? Do you uh, know, well, ooh, I got a really interesting little thing that I heard on a podcast. This is apparently um, scientifically factual that in one breath, there are enough, mo- there are so many molecules of, of just air in one lungful of, you know, one human being taking one breath of air that when you breathe that, that one single breath in, when you release that, if each molecule of, your, of air that you breathed out was evenly dispersed over the whole world, which eventually over thousands of years it probably is as air moves, that every single, if you, if you took all of the air in the entire atmosphere and divided it into equal like breaths, there would be one molecule of that one breath that you breathed out in every single breath full of air. Does that make sense? So there's more molecules in one breath of air than there are breaths in the entire atmosphere. So you, right now, and if you take one breath in, you are probably you are breathing air that Jesus once breathed. There's a molecule of air somewhere in that one single breath of air that Jesus and Muhammad and every single human being that has ever lived has breathed. Like yeah, I don't are, care. But um, what the, a powerful the, example of how connected we are. Yeah, but but okay, but see, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say, um, yeah, I don't care because how does that affect me? What's that about me? Like, like, why would I need to know that? See, I think, I think that just to be clear, I'm being ridiculous there. Of course, um, uh, because of course, th- that's the thing is, I, I think we've we've kind of reached a point where um, lots of people don't want to know stuff because they don't care. Because we uh, we have I don't want to say we've lost, but we have weakened our sense of wonder about the world, um, and and it has been weakened in part by I don't care because I'm only interested in what affects me. Um, uh, it's been partly weakened by 
um, I don't care because um, how can I use that? Um, it's been partly weakened by uh, I don't really care about what's going on around me except in how it relates to what's good for me, right? It's all about it's all we've we've kind of lost that sense of uh, it's Ubuntu, isn't it? That's the the sense of I am who I am in the context of others. Mm-hmm. Right? We've we've even when we think we have a good solid sense of community, um, we often don't uh, fully appreciate um, the connectedness, the the oneness that comes with being an individual in the context of community. Right, because we've 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 kind of gone this well. So which is it? Are we an individual or is it a community thing? Is it one or is it many? Which is it? It's got to be one or the other. And again, no, it doesn't. Um, it can be an and. And mm-hmm. as I like to say, um, uh, here's a good reminder. Um, I don't think Jesus was ever an either or kind of person. I think Jesus was always an and and with. Um, and I think as human beings. We should be less about um, either or and more about and and with, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to each other, especially when it comes to the environment. Um, it's not um, and 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 by the way, we should start we should start spending more time with ideas like covenant instead of uh, contract. Right? Covenant is where we each put in something to create something new that is for everyone. Mm-hmm. And a contract is I put in X in order to get Y out, right, yeah. of that contract, out of that deal. Would and you... if I don't get that, then I'm suing you. Yeah, you're um, punished. Yeah, right. Um, and and we've kind of we we've gone over to the the dark side of it's it's uh, not just not just that it's it's me. Uh, it's what's good for me. Mm-hmm. What's good for me? It's that sense of individuality that that doesn't acknowledge, um, that that doesn't acknowledge the 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 power and wonder of being part of all. Mm. It's beautiful. Right? I would I would add that in my mind, covenant is covenant is like an act of committing to something. So I'm committed to this covenant that we're creating right. versus contract is like, you have an obligation here. Well, and also whether you like it or not, you've signed this contract, the contract's in place, you're held to it, you're accountable, yeah. you're, you're, um, you're, it's about obligation versus commitment. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, particularly, particularly, um, you know, I, I'm going to give you five bucks in order to get X back. What's my commitment to that? I give you five bucks. Hmm. Yeah. But what's hmm. your commitment to, Oh, I gave you money. It, that's it. That's my only commitment. Well, yes, actually, it is my only commitment. I gave you money, and now I expect to get something which I have now predetermined the value of based on the fact that I gave you this amount. So it better be something worth my five bucks. And more and more, we I think we find ourselves in situations where we go, I'm going to give you five bucks, but in the back of my head, I'm going, I better get $10 worth back. Mm. Right, I should get back more than what I'm actually putting in, um, because you know why else would I invest in you, right? Right. And and I I just I wish we could change our thinking around that a little bit, and be more about um, more about uh, how those kind of invest and um, uh, commit or obligation things. Uh, relate to everything around it, right? What's the impact on it? What's uh, mm. uh, what's it bring to that, 
what's it bring to the environment or to the community or to, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but a really, again, a really useful thought exercise in that is, uh, I've heard this many places, so I don't know where to credit it to, but when you imagine your, when you think about your own actions and choices and behaviors in this life, imagine that there are 7.7 billion people doing exactly what you're doing. So, oh, it's only one straw. Like, well, yeah, said 7.7 billion people. Or, ah, it's only one, uh, yeah. whatever it is. But you, the way that we, you know, we, we have it that, well, I, th- I believe that humans shouldn't blah, 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 but it's okay if I do it because I'm only one person. Yeah, right. said 7.7 billion people. Right. When, so I'm, 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 I'm just gonna be a little. I'm just gonna be a little sensitive to that um, for a second, because in in a good way, um, because um, uh, it's a theme in a Christmas kids Christmas play that I was just working on. Um, is that um, the idea that it only takes one to get something started, right? Mm-hmm. Works both ways. Yeah. Right. It only takes, and and so of course one would say, for example. Um, it, it only takes one Jesus right. or one person being like Jesus to um, inspire others to be like Jesus. But it also only takes one person to be um, destructive, to inspire others to be destructive, right? To, mm-hmm. to be, it only takes, I got a better way of saying that. It only takes one person being self-centered and being rewarded for it to encourage people to be self-centered, right? It mm-hmm. only takes one person to, um, uh, it, it only takes one person to get anything started, which is also why it's a good thing to point out that, um, it, you know, for as much as whenever anybody like Greta Thunberg, I think this came up with, with her too, is that for as much as anybody um, wants to say things like, well, you know, this is Canada, the real problem is China. Right, they're the real polluters. Right, what are we going to do about that? Why should we do have to be the ones who try and do this when obviously it's not going to make any difference because they're bigger and they're doing more? Well, the thing is, it starts with one, um, but it can't stay with one. Right, it's got to be. Uh, it's got to be about all of us doing a little bit, not one country doing everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not going to get there. By simply saying, I'm not doing it until you do it. Yeah. Right? Um, we're not going to get there until somebody, much like the, what we were talking about earlier, until one person finally says, I'm not going to yell back at you. So let's say we're all That on... it turns into a conversation where the, some yeah, listening exactly. is happening. Let's, let's imagine for a second that there are seven people in a rowboat instead of seven billion people on the planet. And those seven people all have a little container of some sort. You might have a, a three-gallon pail, and I've got a coffee cup. Am I going to sit there as the boat is, let's say the boat is, um, there's a big leak, and the, the boat is going to sink. Should I not start bailing out water with my coffee cup just because your three-gallon pail is larger than mine? That depends what's in your coffee cup. Do you have coffee in it right now? Well, I would obviously good drink coffee. the coffee first. Obviously, yeah. And then pee um, overboard so it, that I'm not contributing, you know. But isn't that a good analogy, though? Like, are you going to seriously sit there and not do something that could help just because someone else has a greater degree well, of sadly, responsibility? Or if it is to spite you, yes, I am. 
That is that is sadly that is actually what the happens. Human right? condition that we 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 tend to go um, and because it's a personal thing. I I am now not mad at your idea. I'm not mad at the hole in the boat or even how it got there. I'm not mad about it. I'm mad at you. Yeah. And you're gonna pay because I'm not gonna do it. Yeah. You should fix this. You have a well, bigger bucket. Then we're all gonna die. Um, <laughs> especially if there's sharks. Um, but but th- see that that's. But nobody nobody wants to think like that. Nobody wants it. That's why I say I, I think some of the places where we can actually work on that are things like how we've lost our sense of wonder, how mm. we've lost our sense of 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 compassion and grace with other people, particularly particularly if they don't share our views or our lifestyle mm-hmm. or our uh, our. Style of clothing, even <laughs> in some cases, right? Um, it it it's, uh, it's it, we we got to do something about that. And and you know what? If if that's where it starts, maybe that'll maybe that'll bleed into other, oh, that's an unfortunate choice of words. But that's but leadership. That'll bleed into other things. That's yeah. that's leadership. A leadership that's based in love and compassion, like you just said, is getting off your butt and saying, you know what? I only have a coffee cup but I'm going to do everything I can because I love the other six of you and myself and I want us to have a bright future and I want us to not sink. So I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to bail with this little tiny coffee cup until my arms are ready right. to fall off. And then other people are going to be inspired yeah. by your leadership and and yeah. take action. Yeah. The other four people in the boat are probably going to kill the six person with the bucket, throw their body overboard and start bailing. Which would, yeah, that would help with the buoyancy situation. Yeah, less than, less than the, the load, too, yeah. <laughs> um, <and laughs> it's just, that's that's how we think. And I, and I wish we didn't. I, I wish we thought more along the lines of how we can all best make this work together. Um, and and that there was some compassion and some grace and, and care uh, in that because we are all connected. I can see, Robin, why you feel tired and fed up and felt the need to vent. And I think people should definitely check out your blog post that was along those lines. I just read it last night and it was excellent. Um, And maybe we'll wrap it up here. But if if you haven't already read Robin's blog, you can find it at risingspiritministry.com and click on blog at the top of the page. That's where you can also find other episodes of this podcast and archived... um, videos of Robin's sermons from the Pinocchio and Bash United Churches. And um, what else? What am I forgetting, Robin? Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and share some of your favorite episodes. Sure. I want to give a shout out actually to um, a new listener. So Daryl Domstead uh, was chatting with me last night after our production of Matilda the Musical here in Basha and we got talking about the podcast. I told him about it recently. And he's been listening to some episodes lately, so he uh, cool. he got a lot out of you and I having a conversation around. Uh, do you remember the one that we did called "How Will You Be Remembered"? Mm. Um, that was one he liked. He listened to the one that we where we talked about money, and he said that that one was really good. So, okay. Daryl, thanks for listening. It's people like you that keep us doing this, and we we love hearing feedback. So, anyone who's listening, um, tell your friends about it. If you if you got something out of it, tell other people about it. Tell us what you thought. If you've got suggestions for topics, the things that Robin and I could talk about, or suggestions of guests who could come on the podcast, that would be great too. And uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening, and be well.